Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Point. We unpack the objective truth. This blue-chip discussion is for all of Southeast Pennsylvania and the Delaware Valley. The Point is the place to be for compelling discussion not heard anywhere else. We supremely uncover the details and expose the hidden facts of the initiatives being supported by our lawmakers and our candidates running for office. We also discuss the developments and milestones that are not being thoroughly reported by the propaganda fake news media. I want to thank everybody again for being with us today. Uh, I want to thank everyone that listens every week, the people that tune in every week. We appreciate it. We on the point of proud you've made us your guiding light in times of political upheaval and turmoil like, like right now. I think you're with us as I think all of us agree that we do unpack the truth in a way that does pack a punch, and that's why we're here. Thanks for tuning in. Well, here we are in week, I guess, 12 or 13 of Tom Wolf's Flatten the Economy shutdown, and we see new recoveries outnumbering new infections by, like, many, many, many to one, okay? Uh, We see hospitalizations dropping by a lot, like almost 50% from where we were just two weeks ago. Yet we still see an effort to keep businesses from opening up. Folks, the curve is gone. You know, and what's interesting is we were told by all these experts, our goal is to flatten the curve. We need to flatten the curve. Once we flatten the curve, we're going to be fine. Well, now we're believing, as I'm believing, that their goal all along was to flatten the economy. And the reason I've been saying this for so long is because the curve is gone, and yet we seem to be on another mission. It's called flatten the economy. I mean, the threat of overrunning our hospitals right now is non-existent. And our Marxist socialist governor, Tom Wolf, is out front putting our, he's putting our civil rights seemingly on hold indefinitely. And he has the support of an activist state Supreme Court. Folks, we have to ask, is this incompetence or is this deliberate? Does he really think he's trying to preserve the health and welfare of all Pennsylvanians? Of course not. Of course not. He knows we flattened the curve. Okay? We've got people back to work now because we've had counties out there restarting, but we don't see new cases, and he sees that. And he also understands that we seeded this virus. We actually put this virus in nursing homes. He knows that too. I mean, we actually put this virus in nursing homes. So we know that he knows, as we all do here, that two-thirds of all the people that passed away from COVID passed away in nursing homes. He also knows that of the remaining numbers in Some of those in the nursing homes, but most not, but some have been miscoded deaths of COVID. For instance, someone in a car crash because they had a stroke, but they had COVID, they're tested, and they're going to count that as a COVID death. I mean, this is is what's happening. They're miscoding deaths. Someone dies of a heart attack or a stroke, and, you know, whether they have a car crash or not, who knows, but they die of a you know, heart attack or a stroke, and, and they're counting that as a COVID death. And I think because of the test for COVID, but positive for COVID. And that's that's the mischaracterization, if you will, 
of the fatalities. You know, I, I think I think what we're seeing again, and, 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 and the reason that the governor gets away with it is because we're seeing locally, as well as nationally, the media malpractice that goes on all the time, and there's a lot of it. Media malpractice is out there. You see, folks, when the media fails to report the news, when the media obfuscates the facts and fails to flush out the truth, when the media plays along with political strategies, folks, it's media malpractice, okay? When they're not chasing the scoop so they can sell sub- added subscriptions or inflated advertising costs by putting a really good news product out there, well, then you have to know that they're not in it for the profit. And if they're not in it for the profit, then they're in it for the propaganda. Hence, the propaganda. Make no mistake about it, folks. I don't want to miss that. Okay, they're in it for the propaganda. That's why they're there. Now, Barack Hussein Obama would never have been elected had it not been for the complicit media. And now we see Judge Emmett Sullivan, and we see that his appointment happened. And, And again, was he an activist judge? Well, I mean, we can look at his history and his record, but let's forget that. Let's for, for now, let's look at what Emmett Sullivan, who is, again, a Barack Hussein Obama appointment, what is he doing now? He's starting up a three-ring circus. He's become the defendant, the judge, and the prosecutor in the same case. That's pretty phenomenal, folks. You see, the costs of electing activists to office means that they will selectively break certain laws and then they will appoint activist judges where they can appoint and activist judges who will support that selective law breaking. But in states like Pennsylvania, where we elect judges, well, then the governors, these activist governors, cannot appoint activist judges. So we have to have a complicit media going on where they're just hiding and obfuscating the facts a complicit media committing media malpractice every day. That's what we need to have in place, solidly in place, okay, for them to get away with getting activist judges elected like we did in Pennsylvania in 2015. And make no mistake about this, folks. In 10 years, these judges are going to go up for retention, and we're going to have an opportunity to remember this. This very important time, and we'll combine it with another important time, okay? Okay, where they allow the, the redistricting of, of our, of our, of our con- U.S. congressional districts to be done by the courts, where they actually took it from the state assembly, which is constitutionally their role, but they overruled them. Why? Because they're activist judges. Why? Because we didn't have the, we didn't have the ability to override it. Because the state Supreme Court is it. It stops with them. And when you elect activists on the state Supreme Court, you're going to get activism from activists. Okay, that's what we got. And we got it hard. And so they they actually redistricted our congressional districts. They also overruled our voter ID laws that we passed. They made it possible for, for voter fraud to take place. And now they're allowing this governor 
this governor to declare their edicts as laws. You see, a law is when the legislature passes bills, they pass them through and the governor signs them. Then it becomes law. It's not law unless they have the consent and approval of the legislature and, of course, the votes that go with it. But what we're seeing is a unilateral action by a governor and our state legislature is opposing this. Well, don't worry because our governor had nothing to worry about all along because the activist judges in the, in the state Supreme Court were going to see to it that the state legislature and the people of Pennsylvania had nothing more to say on this matter. Folks, we must always remember these three points I just pointed out that we already had happen with our state Supreme Court, okay, in five short years. And we're going to have to wait another five years. And then we will run and we will run an extreme effort, okay, to to not retain these judges. We will we will hope for a vote and work for a vote that will will not retain them and uh, we'll vote not to retain them. And that means we'll have an election with new judges. And that's what we need. We need new judges and we need an election of new judges. So the opportunity will be given to us again. And I hope we don't fail this time around. When they come to the ballot box, we need to remember what happened here. You will have people like me here on the point reminding voters. You will have social media sites like our Berks County Republican Facebook page and other social media pages throughout the state. You're going to have our state representatives and I hope a Republican governor reminding the people of what this activist court has done, along with this activist governor that we have who will no longer be the governor, but we can look back on this and understand the mistake we all made, the horrible mistake we made. Well, we elected an activist as president a few years ago. We all remember Barack Hussein Obama, and he was our president, elected in 2008. Well, he appoints Emmett Sullivan. Well, Emmett Sullivan, uh, again, he's a federal judge, and he's, again, he's he, he was the guy that, that ruled on Flynn. Okay, now, if you remember how that all worked out, uh, you know, he, he's, you know, he's the guy that they, they brought Flynn in front of to make a decision. Now, just to be clear on this, and I want to give our, our listeners here a little background. Our court system is given the charge of protecting our civil rights. That includes Michael Flynn's civil rights. And Emmett Sullivan failed there. You see, I want to point out the facts what happens in socialist countries everywhere? Socialist countries like the Soviet Union, socialist or communist countries like China, or socialist slash communist countries like, well, like the old Cambodia with Pol Pot. I mean, you go down the list in history and look back at all the notorious, the notorious dictators and despots that were in charge, every one of them had similar things in common. All right, one of those things they had in common was they were able to indoctrinate the young people, a generation in the schools, to to look down upon their nationalism and the specialness of their particular nation. These children were brought up and, and, and educated in a way that that promoted their nation's history with a negative light. 
so that they would not have love of country in the way. They had to get rid of love of country. So that is done by indoctrinating the young people. Okay, so they all did that. They also all worked to change the, their constitutions within their country. And for instance, they would change the constitutions uh, to take away certain rights or whatever, but they all changed their constitutions. And then they also filled the vacancies for judicial appointments. They made sure that they got their like-minded judges in place to support their takeover of these nations. Every one of these despots and dictators did this in socialist countries. Socialism inherently leads, okay, to oppression and dictatorships. They all do. They all do. Okay? And democracies inherently lead to socialism. Don't panic, though, folks, please. We in this country don't have a democracy. We have a republic. Republics do not inherently verge off into socialism. And I believe our founding fathers knew that. So they put together, and I believe, again, this is God's providence, and I believe in divine intervention that founded this country. But this country was founded because very special people got very special wisdom to put together a very special kind of government that produced the very best country God ever gave man. And that's what we have in this country. So a little bit about the court systems and how socialist countries actually come in. And I wanted to give that because, because I wanted to put that together because what we saw with Michael Flynn was atrocious. Okay, what we saw happen with Michael Flynn was atrocious. The court system was there to protect him from an overreaching government. Well, they didn't. As a matter of fact, and we'll later find out in this discussion, I believe that Emmett Smith was a willing player in this to some level. Okay, because because the court system, I believe, became a part of the railroading and the destruction of Michael Flynn. I don't think there's any question about it. And again, as I pointed out, I, I want to point out, you know, you got to remember that his actions and decisions are out there for everybody to see. So we can't miss it. Because we have to ask, was, was Emmett Sullivan part of this sham? Well, that's a question. It's a fair question. Or was he an unwitting participant? Well, that's another fair question. Well, Again, after the D.C. Circuit Court ordered the judge, Judge Sullivan, to provide his reasoning in writing for not granting the, Just Depart the Justice Department's motion to dismiss the Michael Flynn prosecution, this judge decided to hire a defense attorney to respond for him. I find that very strange. Why? And, and we have to ask why. I mean, and as I'm asking that here on the show, but I'm going to try to illuminate this and try to expound on this so we can all feel and see what I'm looking at and, and come to our own conclusions. We know that it's, it's a common occurrence that judicial officers, as part of a standard routine, 
provide the legal authority that they relied upon when they made a decision. We know this. And again, this is done so that any higher court, if there's an appeal, will see what happened. They'll see, they'll see the, you know, they'll see the, 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 they'll see the line. They'll see what the connections were. However, here, Sullivan didn't render a judgment. He didn't render a final judgment that's being appealed. No, what happened here is the D.C. Circuit Court has ordered Sullivan to show cause for his actions. Why did you do it, Mr. Sullivan? Now that's different. See, were his actions ordered by someone? Now that's a question. See, you got to ask, what you know what his cause for his actions were so we have to ask well did somebody order him to do to do what he did or were his actions the result of judicial reasoning for a crime committed well we know that's not true so were his actions politically motivated ah now we might be onto something were his actions politically motivated you see don't miss this his hiring a defense attorney does provide that he knew that his actions were not pure and just. Don't miss that. His hiring a defense attorney seems more consistent with someone who knows he's in trouble with having to show just cause to the appellate court. You see, folks, he's obviously concerned that he will receive disciplinary action or some other adverse consequence. He knows this is coming. He knows he's in a bad deal, and he knows it. But one thing you have to realize is Judge Emmett Sullivan is a lifetime appointment. But he can be removed with congressional oversight and impeachment. Ah, Emmett Sullivan doesn't have to worry, though, because Nancy Pelosi will not do that. Nancy Pelosi and those fake news Democrats and all those deep staters, they're not going to impeach him. Don't worry, Emmett, he, you're safe with them. But he also knows that this election coming down the pike, there's a lot of motivated Republicans that are going to be outnumbering these Democrats, and he knows that. They understand this is coming, and they know that they're going to have trouble in this election. You see, they know they can do the math. You see, what's interesting is what many of our listeners, see, our listeners tune into us, I believe because they know they get the straight skinny. They get the they get the unadulterated straight skinny. They get the facts from us. I'm not regurgitating polls and saying, oh my goodness, Trump's beating Biden by X amount or Biden's beating Trump by this amount or whatever. That's not what I'm doing. I'm doing math. And when I know as a nation we have 235 million registered voters, they know that. Nancy Pelosi knows that. Joe Biden knows that. They all know that. So then they say, well, okay, what's the breakdown? Well, they know that there's about 98 million registered Democrats and about 89 million registered Republicans. You know, give or take a million. Okay. That's about what you have. And then you have the balance being independent. They know that too. And just uh, on a side note, uh, Berks County uh, is increasing Republican registrations. The state of Pennsylvania is increasing Republican registrations. We are closing the gap on Democrats in, re, in, re, in voter registrations. This is happening as we speak, folks. So be of good cheer. Trump is doing better in Pennsylvania now than he did four years ago. 
And Joe Biden knows that, too. But getting back to what I was talking about, the numbers. So, you know, you, you look at the numbers, you say, OK, about 98, 99 million Democrats, about 89 million or so registered Republicans. Well, the Democrats outnumber the Republicans. Well, that's true. But that's not really what you base the winning election on. You see, the candidates know what has to happen. It's the party that is able to get the most of their base out. So if the Republicans can get a larger number of 89 million out than the Democrats can of 98 million, then the Republicans win. Of course, they have to get a percentage, if you will, of the independents. But if they can... If they can basically bring out, just say for grins and giggles, 70% of the Republican base, then they're going to be sitting on, on oh, I guess about 51 million or so uh, votes, okay, based on that. And I think uh, I'm going to pull these numbers up real fast, so bear with me. I'm going to look at this. So if they were able to do that, then they, if they were able to pull out, say, you know, 70% of 89 million, then they're, they're going to bring out about 60 million votes or thereabouts. It'll be 61 million, okay? Well, you only need 70 million to win. They know that. I mean, based on, based on a decent, based on 130 million coming out to vote. So, you know, the magic number, they're looking at what they need. They feel they need about 70 million to win. And so the Republicans say they bring out 70 million. They're looking at about 61, 62 million votes. They're only 8 million away from that, maybe just say for grins and giggles, maybe they're they're a little less than that, but whatever. Oh, but they didn't get all 100% of those Republicans. So even though there's about 61 or 62 million Republicans that come out, say Trump gets 92% of them. Okay, well, they're still sitting on about 56, 57, 58 million votes. So say they're sitting on 57, 58 million. Well, now, again, they only need 12 million of the Democrats and the independents. Well, if Joe Biden is only able to bring out, just say for grins and giggles, 58% or 57% or even 60% of 98 million, and he only gets 85% of that, well, then we can rest assured that Joe Biden is looking on about, oh, probably about 48, 49 million votes of the Democrats. And even though he gets about 8 or 9% of the Republicans, he's still going to be sitting on oh, probably about 53, 54 million votes. A far cry from where he needs to be to win that, to get the 70. Whereas Trump will be sitting on, likely, again, about eight and a half million Democrats, along with the 53 or 54 million Republicans. I mean, even 52 million Republicans. So now he's looking at 60 million or so. So Trump's already ahead by about five or six million votes before the independents are counted. See, Joe Biden knows this. See, all the pollsters that these people hire for all these millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars, all the money they spend, they all know this. But they're not putting those numbers out in the media. No, what they put in the media is the fake polls, the polls that show a horse race. You know, the polls they put out in 2016 that all showed Trump was going to lose that election. Those are the polls. Folks, Trump will do better this time than he did last time with Republicans. We all know that. They know that. Trump will do better with Democrats than he did with last time. They all know that. And, and we know that. And he'll likely do better with independents than he did the last time. Trump got about 65 million votes the last time. My guess is he'll get 70 million this time. I've on, I mean, I'm on record saying that. I've said it 
over and over, probably in countless shows, but I'm marking this show here because this is a show that I'm, I'm coming out with it. I think he's going to get 70 million votes. Now, for Biden to win, he's got to get 71 million or 70 plus one. Okay, he's got to get more votes, and I don't think he's going to do that. And because of the brilliance, the brilliance that was the God-given gift to our founding fathers, they came up with an electoral college. Now, think about this for one second. An electoral college. Who even thinks about that? Do you realize there wasn't any electoral colleges anywhere in this world at the time our founding fathers decided to do an electoral college in this country? So when someone tries to tell you that, that our country is, is not a divine intervention in, by God, you have to point to the Electoral College as your evidence-based proof. I rest my case, Your Honor, God had a hand in, this, uh, in the founding of this nation. How? Because the Electoral College, Your Honor, no one thought that way. Everyone thought about the popular vote. Everyone thought about the popular vote. That's all democracies. Well, the Electoral College is a totally different system. And I think that's that's the biggest thing that the Democrats don't like. So, again, getting back to what we talked about, the Democrats know this. Okay, they know this. And they understand that they're likely to lose this election. So, and I'll get back to Emmett Sullivan in one second, but I want to tie this whole thing with the Electoral College to to their concerns and to what they're they're looking at right now and Joe Biden and all these people. Remember, we talked about what all dictatorships, all socialist dictatorships and despots, evil despots around the world, what they all do. Okay, they all take over. They all take over the judiciary by making their own appointments. They change the constitutions and they offer up corrupt education that indoctrinates our young people. Well, again, that's what's happening in this country through elections. And I think I don't want to miss that. It's all being done because of a corrupt, twisted media that really is fake. They're more for media malpractice than they are for giving us the facts. And that's why our president called them the enemy of the people. You know, don't don't miss that. Don't miss that. But anyway, getting back to what happened here with Emmett and Emmett Sullivan, I don't want to miss this, okay? There is sufficient evidence already out there in the public record that shows Sullivan's actions against Flynn violated ethical and judicial conduct. See, a judge has to perform their duties to their position fairly and partially and diligently. The canons that judges should uphold are integrity and the independence of the judiciary. This did not occur, folks. It did not occur. You see, Sullivan could be impeached, and he knows it, because they see that he dropped the ball, if you will, and he failed in his role. And it's obvious that, folks, the evidence is there. He knows that an impeachment could be coming into play or maybe a forced retirement because of his engaging in unethical political activity. Look, if his amicus statements are against the motion to dismiss, which I think they will be, then he's going to need a defense lawyer, which is why he got one. 
You see, Sullivan doesn't have a solid rationale to explain his ordering the prosecutor to continue their case when the prosecutor has already moved to dismiss the case, even, even with the plea deal in place. It's his all political, folks, and Emmett Sullivan's guilty, and he knows it. I mean, his appointing an amicus and his hiring a defense lawyer proves it. Your Honor, I rest my case. Look, he's obviously <clears throat> part of a political sham that we all now are calling Obamagate. Okay? Obamagate. He knows that he could render, that he could face impeachment. He knows it. And he also knows that Nancy Pelosi won't do it, but he also knows that a new House will. And he's looked at these numbers as I'm talking about. They all see what's going on. They don't believe these phony polls that CNN puts out. My goodness. See, judges who, who lose their political independence and become political should be removed from their lifetime appointments. And this is what we're able to do through impeachment. Okay. You know, what's interesting. And again, I, I, I want to take a little bit of a sidetrack on this is, you know, we just watched the media malpractice and we watched what happened to Trump on Twitter earlier this week when Trump talked about the election fraud with mail-in ballots. And of course, they have the fact checker on Twitter. And I thought was the big joke is, and again, the people that follow Trump, they know that CNN and Washington Post both won Pulitzer's or had Pulitzer winners on their network from this phony Russian collusion sham. We know the Washington Post was also where the leak of Michael Flynn came, of the call. We know that too. There's a lot of things that we know, but the facts that Twitter would call upon CNN and the Washington Post articles as their bona fides that what Trump was saying was wrong Folks, I think I'm going to help Twitter, and I think all of us can help, okay? The fact is, any organization like CNN or the Washington Post who routinely have to withdraw their statements, recall their stories, offer corrections, or fire people for putting out phony stories, okay? You know, like changing 911 tapes and things like that, okay? Or being sued by by people like the Covington Catholic kids for, you know, what happened there, their fake story there. I mean, you can go on and on. Or, or the way they handled the the, the, the Jesse Smollett f- phony hate crime hoax story in Chicago, how they did that. I mean, CNN is guilty on how many, I could go down the list of, of CNN problems. And of course, the Washington Post is right there too. They're all fake, okay? So the fact that Twitter would call on these fake organizations to be their fact checker tells me that, well, we, we don't, we're not going to listen to that, okay? We know what the real news is on all of this, okay? And we know that fraud is apparent. We know that what Trump said about ballots being stolen can happen or ballots being mismailed, that can happen. We know that, folks, it can happen, Okay. And I want to I want to point out, you know, we're going to see the FBI lawyer who changed. I, it, I've had people ask the question, OK? We had people ask the question about, you know, who, will there be somebody going to jail over what happened with this Russian collusion? And I mean, I've I've listened to this and I've done some homework on this. And I, I think 
what I'm looking at, I think what we're going to find is one or two people go to jail over this. For instance, the FBI lawyer who changed the document on Carter Page to prevent the FISA judge from seeing that Carter Page worked for the CIA, that FBI lawyer has got real problems because he did that to get the FISA warrant. And they got the FISA warrant, and that guy lied on the form to get it. So he's got some real problems. And I also believe the person that leaked the Flynn story to the Washington Post will also see criminal charges. I believe that, too. And, uh, again, uh, don't miss that. So I, I think that but there's also going to be admonishments going up and down the line. I think this judge is one of them. Emmett Smith's another one. He's going to face some legal consequence. You know, I want to talk a little bit about, and again, I want to dovetail what I'm going to talk about here back into our, our lockdown here in Pennsylvania. I want to get back to that a little bit here. You know, we we are born free. Americans are born free. We don't get our rights from the government, and therefore the government cannot take them away. <clears throat> we can, however, be convinced to give them away through fear. Okay, we can be, oh, okay, I, I could sell off this right and this right for for these two these two points of of strength and security and maybe another point of strength and security to be named later. You know, the bottom line is they can we we can be convinced as we are by a very clever media uh to do this and I'm going to get to that in a little bit. You see, the, the media really does leave out facts, and we're going to get to that when we talk about contact tracing, okay? But I want to talk about this. Our no-end-in-sight economic shutdown was made possible because so many Pennsylvanians and Americans gave up their inalienable rights for a government promise, Governor Tom Wolf's promise, to make us safe from a virus. A virus that then can, that, that was then hyped up with a bunch of fear and mask wearing and everything else. But all of this came with the promise, don't forget it, that the shutdown would hold, that the shutdown would be temporary, okay, uh, just long enough to flatten the curve. And so all these, all these holds on our civil rights was just temporary, folks. So we were all willing to do the good thing, right? We had to flatten the curve. Well, we were promised that all of this would end when we flatten the curve. Well, we flatten the curve everywhere and everywhere. There is a Democrat Marxist governor. The shutdown continues. Don't miss that. Please don't miss, don't miss that. Here in Pennsylvania, we have a Marxist governor, Tom Wolf, and the, the shutdown continues. We're hearing the, we're hearing the need to shut down in place from Tom Wolf long enough to get a vaccine. Now he's saying, well, we need to get a vaccine. Where did this come from? Where did this discussion take place? Where did this insanity come in? Who agreed to that? So when do we go from flatten the curve to get a vaccine, which is code, code to flatten the economy? I mean, when did, when did that happen? Oh, they moved the goalpost. Oh, and they had, they have the support of the activist courts. Again, getting back to our judges, don't miss that. Okay, we need new judges. We need to vote for new judges. But getting back to this, 
Look, our rights to travel, our rights to work, our rights to worship, our our rights to assemble, and our rights to free speech, they've all been taken, and in most cases, they've been taken and put on hold. This, of course, is supported by these courts and these judges. We've seen this, and these people moving the goalposts every day. I mean, this is what's happening. We just saw Andrew the Pious Cuomo state that he has no idea when he's going to close, reopen, I should say. Now, he met with Trump earlier. Look, did, Trump's pressuring these people. These these governors are under a lot of pressure. Trump's already threatening a Democrat governor in North Carolina who's up for re-election, I believe, this year. And he's telling him, well, I'm going to move the convention if you can't commit. I mean, these Democrats are hanging on to this shutdown as long as they can, but and they're doing it because they know that we've already flattened it and it can only go one way, and that's up. And we're going to see tremendous improvements, and those improvements are going to be up there for Trump to tout. And it's going to be very hard for Biden to make his case from his basement, from behind his mask and his sunglasses. It's going to be very hard for him to do that. And he knows it, and they all know it. And they know the math won't add up for them, and they know that too. But again... We just got a whiff of what Joe Biden and the Socialist Democrats want in this country. Can you imagine if we had Hillary Clinton? I mean, my wife and I talk about this. I mean, I and I've said this. I said this two and a half months ago. Hillary Clinton would have called out. She'd have called out the army and declared martial law. She would have ended civilian rule of government and, and put herself as the as the, the queen of all. And we would have had a we would have been on hold until until which time she could replace everything with a Marxist program, some socialist program to take care of everybody. They would have used this to bring in their socialism, make no mistake about it, but God knew that. And my wife says it all the time, God's got everything under control, God knows what happened, nothing catches him off guard. Well, I believe that Trump's winning this election was because this was coming down the pike and we needed a man like Trump in place. I mean, these governors are showing that. I mean, the Republicans are winning elections everywhere. The Republicans are winning elections in the California 25th. They've won that. That's a very big election. They've won that. I mean, the California 25th was like a D1 or a D2, but that's that's not the big story here. The big story is Hillary won that district. She beat Trump by seven points. She beat him pretty strongly. And Trump didn't just win. I mean, the Republicans didn't just win this special election. They walloped the Democrats by 12 points. Folks, this is nearly a 20-point swing. You see, Joe Biden sees that. That's why he came out on Memorial Day with, you know, he's got that that mask on and his, his, his glasses, and he's holding that wreath out there, and he's about ready to fall over. I mean, I, I, I mean, if you didn't know better, you would think that that wreath weighed about a hundred pounds the way he was carrying it. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's just a frail man, and he's walking across there looking like he's, you know, Darth Vader. I mean, uh, you know, the ridiculous, the ridiculousness of the way he actually looked, and he's wearing a mask outside. This is what I don't want our listeners to miss. It's not that he wasn't that he was wearing a mask, and why Trump isn't wearing masks. It's that when you're outside, you don't need to wear a mask. That is what we're all being told, okay? 
You don't need to wear a mask outside because the, the germ does not, the virus does not transmit in the air. I mean, they know it, it dies quickly in the air. They know it dies on fabric. It dries out. It does live longer than the average flu germ, but, but it doesn't live that long enough for it to become a problem. So they know that. Biden knows that too, but Biden's wearing his mask because he was putting on his costume. See, he was an actor putting on his costume to show everyone, I'm obeying the scientists and the data because I know we're in a pandemic and we all have a lot of fear. He was reinforcing the fear with his mask. And Trump wasn't. And I think what I want to, I want our listeners to understand the picture that we saw between Biden, the difference between Biden and Trump on Memorial Day, that is the picture. That is a distinct difference between the two candidates. One is a very confident leader, a very, very powerful leader, a person that wants to instill confidence and, 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 and just, he wants to lift this economy up. He wants to convey that we, you know, the strength and the confidence of, of Americans. And the other just wants to hide behind a mask and, uh, you know, and, and show everybody how scared he is and how, how fearful we all need to be because of this germ. Folks, we need to learn to live with this because this isn't going to go anywhere. I mean, the bottom line is the likelihood of our having a, a vaccine isn't really very good. I mean, I know we hear positive statements on it. But we're still waiting for vaccines on AIDS and SARS. So I'm not so sure we're going to get a vaccine on this. Maybe we will. But whatever the case is, it may not come back as strong as it was before in January, February. It may come back stronger. But the likelihood is it's going to be like a, like most viruses. It's going to it's going to change and mutate anyway. We, we, we're going to live with this like we live with other viruses that are in the air. OK, it's just the way it is. And once you have it, you'll you'll get the antibodies. And and we do know now that it's about it's only about twice as strong as the standard flu. We know that now from the data that we have, the data and the science that we have now. Again, you hear the Democrats, they're always talking about data and science, data and science, data and science. Well, based on the data and science that we know now. We know that that this is only about twice as strong as the average flu bug, which is bad. But it's not 10 times stronger, like we were being told two and a half months ago. So don't miss that, folks. Don't miss that. Remember how much all those change, how much, how much all that information changed everything we were told. We were told a few months ago that this was 10 times stronger than the average flu. The swine flu, oh, it's, it's three times stronger than the swine flu. Well, folks, it looks, to me, it looks like we're going to see it's about the same as the swine flu, maybe a little bit stronger. And I think we just need to understand this. Look, make no mistake about this. These governors know and they're all concerned. And that's why they're going after Trump with Twitter. And they're trying to go after other, you know, Republican organizations and leaders using their social media. You know, the... The, 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 the people that come out on social media, the bullies that come out there to try to intimidate people, to try to convince you that what you're saying is wrong or whatever and can be misinterpreted. So they, they come up with fake outrage and, you know, that's what they do. Okay. Because they want to intimidate you for not saying things. They, they don't want you saying things. So to prevent you from saying things, they're going to declare that they're, 
that they feel outraged or oppressed because you said something, even though it's they know they know the context of the way you said it. There is no outrage. They're going to say it anyway because they hold the copyrights on the outrage for a particular words that might be used out there. Folks, this is what's going on. We have the word police out there, the thought police out there already every day. Make no mistake, they're out there. But anyway, you know, I mean, we're they know this is happening. And again, we're seeing this. Now, getting back to what we're talking about with the, with the lockdown and the Democrats and the Democrat governors, Every one of the states that are led by Democrats are the ones we're having the trouble with the, with the reopenings of the economy. That's what I think is politically telling. And again, if I was to make a case before a judge, that would be my exhibit A. Okay, let's take a look at the 50 states. Let's look at the Republican governors and the Republican states and the Democrat governors and the Democrat states. And it's like you can see it. It's going to be very the contrast is going to be very clear. Can't miss it. Democrat states like New York, Michigan, Illinois, Washington <clears throat> seem insistent on keeping their people scared as long as possible. Pennsylvania, New Jersey, I mean, you know, they want they want to they want to move the goalposts for new excuses for delaying reopening. That's what they're doing. And we're seeing some even fifth dimensional ideas come out of their out of their administrations. I mean, fifth dimensional ideas like well, we need to be able to test 20 million people a day. <clears throat> That's insane. I don't understand where that even comes from. Or I've heard, well, we need to get a vaccine first. I mean, that may not even happen. You know, they have to look at the science and the data, and we have to start using those terms because they use them all the time. So we need to start using them with the facts that are out there. So the science and the data point to the death and mortality rates that, 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 that are coming down. They point to that. I mean, that's what they point to. And the Democrats need to remember and they just need to stand up and say, OK, well, it's obvious that those, you know, the, the science and data points to that the mortality rates are coming down. Good. They should all feel good about it. But they don't. Because they seem to be hoping for a second outbreak somewhere where they can then lead the charge for a second shutdown. You know, what's interesting is Jason Furman, Furman, Jason Furman is a Harvard Kennedy School professor of economic policy. He worked for Obama. And he stated, he stated, I believe it was on Bloomberg television, that he thinks that we're about to see the best economic data we've seen in the history of this country. He stated this because, and he, again, the Democrats and Biden know this because he stated the economy is bottomed out. It can only go one way, and that's up. I mean, that's the fact, folks. I don't want to miss that. So, now, to wrap up the show, I want to get to contact tracing. I don't want to miss this. Contact tracing and getting back to the, to the activist judges and the activist governors, <clears throat> okay, and how these people are trying to whittle down our rights. Well, I believe it was uh, John Hopkins University did a study on contact tracing, and they actually got like a lessons or classes or whatever. And they're basically saying that we're going to need hundreds of thousands of voluntary contact tracers. You see, what's interesting is what the 9-11 era did <clears throat> to uh, establish the Patriot Act 
and to reshape the FISA courts and the, and the TSA. Well, the COVID era is going to be for contact tracing. You see, before long, you're going to see bad actors get in control and abuse the, you abuse these programs and the citizens that are, that are, you know, that, that are out there. They're going to be abusing and taking away our rights. We're going to be told, oh, this is for our well and good. It's all for our well and good. You know, it seems fine until there's an overreach, like like we talked about, like what happened with Michael Flynn, okay? George Papadopoulos or Carter Page. Well, you, you know the overreach that set people up like Papadopoulos or phonied up legal documents like on Carter Page <laughs> or, or leaked out information to the Washington Post like on Flynn. That's the bad actors getting in, in these positions. If that happened with the Patriot Act, the FISA courts, and, and whatnot, it can happen with contact tracing. See, the problem with the COVID tracer is that the COVID tracer is going to be interacting with people for weeks at a time. Because, again, I see this as a real heavy lift. Because according to the AP report, the practice of so-called contact tracing requires a sort of hybrid job between interrogator, therapist, and nurse as they try to coax nervous people, to be honest. See, the goal is to create a roadmap of everywhere infected people have been and who they've been around. Look, we already see Apple and Google coming up and creating apps for this. You know, many countries are signing on to this. Again, they're all quick and ready to sign away the rights of their citizens. Now, these apps that Google and Apple are coming up with are going to tell us when we're in contact with infected people. They promise our privacy is protected, you know, and, and these privacy promises, if not kept, well, we know they're going to have a chilling effect on our personal freedoms, folks. Because we know, even though they have a promise for protecting our privacy, we know servers can be hacked and data can be stolen. We know that. And I don't want to miss that. See, with this in mind, we're going to need hundreds of thousands of COVID tracers. Now, think about this. If the experts, the experts, I use that in quotes, if they get their way, COVID contract tracers will add about 15% more employees to the government, the federal government. That's right, because we already have a bloated government with two and a half million employees. So if this adds 15% or so of our to our employee base, it's going to add that much to our cost base. We know that. If our cost is running at about $4.5, $4.89 trillion per year, well, we can add to that like a 15% or so. I mean, we, we know that. I mean, just basic math. I mean, it, it, you know, I'm round numbers. I'm not being specific here. But we know there's going to be a significant increase in cost. Don't make a mistake on that. I mean, these people, these Marxist governors, and they're already out there in Pennsylvania. We, we're doing it now. We got Wolf talking to county people and, and, you know, local people about contact tracers. And they're all going to be voluntary, all voluntary. Folks, these people are going to climb through the lives and through, through the most intimate areas of our lives. And if you were in, in the orbit of any COVID-infected person, then they could monitor your whereabouts continuously with a sort of open-ended warrant. 
you know, right now they say it's about 14 days or so, or it's voluntary or whatever. But what happens when another expert comes around and says something different? They're going to change that rule. Again, we've already watched those goalposts get changed. You know, we're learning an awful lot about what these Marxists are all about. They all say one thing, promise one thing, and do and come through with something else, totally contrary to what they promised. The contract tracer training program put on by John Hopkins, okay, talks about our, our personal our personal medical information is going to be confidential. Okay, now, it does say that. But perhaps not all of it, because it goes on to say in the confidentiality, doc, confidentiality document that confidentiality, it says, is the right of the individual to have, you know, to, to, to have uh, personal, verifiable medical information kept private and not released without consent. The key here is without consent. In other words, you have to agree to give you consent to have your medical information transmitted. However, COVID test results can be shared to protect the public. So that is not private. This means that COVID test results can be released without your consent. Also, I might add, be on the lookout for fancy wordsmiths who come out with these agreements that we agree to to get the app. These agreements which are where we're agreeing to release this confidential information. You know, folks, people do this, and they're doing this because they, they're being promised safety from a virus. They're being sold a bill of goods. They're being sold snake oil. You know, I mean, if you look back on the, uh, the, if you look further into the John Hopkins tracing program, they go on to say that these programs are for the public good, which, I mean, you and I can all agree that and anything benefits the public and, you know, the, the well-being of the public. Well, you know, that can be determined for the public good. Well, well, that all sounds real reasonable, doesn't it? But don't miss this. In our republic, the people get to decide what is in the public good, not unaccountable experts at some university or hired by some staffer or something as a staffer. You know, don't miss this. I mean, we have people right now that would, they want so much to be safe from this virus and they think it's reasonable because they've been indoctrinated in our schools and universities that for the public good, we can give away our rights because it's for the public good. They see that as a reasonable trade-off. Folks, that is frighteningly scary that we have people in this country who have been indoctrinated in our school systems to believe that it's a fair trade-off. Don't ever go there, folks. Don't ever let people go there. You're giving away your civil rights is never a fair trade-off. Ever, ever, never, ever. Our founding fathers knew this. That's why they wrote the Constitution with God's providence and God's direction. We know this. And we know this, again, I like to point to the evidence of the Electoral College, because they thought it up with God's providence. <clears throat> Don't miss that, folks. Don't miss it.
But what's really interesting to me is the media malpractice that's going on <clears throat> with this contact tracing. This is what's really interesting to me. <clears throat> because we're not seeing any journalistic interest at all. Obviously, no journalistic integrity. Nothing, nothing. We don't see any debate. We don't see any discussion. We don't even see fake experts. We don't see stories. We don't see both sides to look at. We don't see any alerts. We don't see any risks. We don't see any concerns. We don't see any worries. And we don't see, we, we don't see anything. No help at all for the public to understand what exactly is entailed in ushering in this new government program. I mean, this isn't, this is amazing to me. You know, we can always count on corrupt bureaucrats, okay, with their special interests in mind to come up with good reasons for more intrusion into our rights and liberties. Okay, like they could, they'll all, we can always count on using a national crisis as their motorist operandi or their, their, their ability to get in there and, and give you the good reasons why you need to give up your rights. We've heard it before, you know, we can end gun, end gun violence, okay, or we can, we can end man-caused climate change, or we can eliminate terrorist attacks if we just do this and give up rights here, there, and there, here, and there. That's the promise we get from them. And of course, we give in because we think we're going to get this utopian society, and it doesn't come, and oh, by the way, your rights don't come back either. So here we are now, we're facing this virus threat, and they're looking for contact tracers to uh, crawl through our personal lives. And I want to point this out because in Europe right now, when they have government-run healthcare, like in Britain right now, I've said this before, we see in Britain right now where we have, we have the government-run healthcare system able now because again they've had it in place for like 75 80 years they 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 are able now to to have private personal information released to employers so that they can determine whether or not you're healthy enough to be promoted for instance high blood pressure can keep you out of a promotion that happens in britain folks that is what these marxists want they want your freedoms eroded they want your personal information out there they want you controlled in some way by them. And they'll always, you will always see these people, Saul Lewinsky talked about it, you'll always see these Marxists, these, these socialist Democrats, you'll always see them use fear and skewed statistics and bad modeling to manipulate us through fear with the promise of safety as the goal. And they're going to, to do that, they're going to convince us with phony experts. They're going to see these phony experts being paraded off the television, across the television screens, being touted as, oh, the, the so smart, the so smart experts. And they're on the phony propaganda networks. They're going to be insisting that the risks and the potential harm to our liberties is, well, it's all very minimal. And therefore, not worth worrying about. So they're going to justify any risk worth the potential reward. That's what they do. 
So you'll hear things like, oh, this is only temporary, or it's narrowly targeted. We're going to hear that. But what we're going to see, if these programs are enacted, is we're going to see these programs become permanent and gradually become more intrusive, expanding far beyond what we ever imagined. Folks, don't miss that. Don't miss it. And, you know, look, I, I, I want to I point this out. I want to sum this up by, by saying, look, we, we've said this over and over on the point. I don't want to miss it. But corrupt socialists, despots, these, these people, all throughout time, Okay, have all gone to dictatorships. Socialism leads to dictatorships. Democracies lead to socialism. That is what we know throughout history. Now, there's different levels of socialism. Okay, but they're all socialism. They all have limited rights. Make no mistake, America is special and unique. We will never be a socialist country. We will run from it, unlike other countries. Why? Because we have a republic, not a democracy. It's totally different here. So I, I just want to I want to point that out, and when we see our governors out there, like we see now, putting our civil rights on hold and getting the approval from the from the judges, remember this when the elections roll around, folks. Don't ever forget. And it looks like with these election results we're seeing around the country, that we're seeing people seeing that now. We're seeing Republicans winning in landslides in Democrat districts, and I am very very encouraged by that. Very encouraged. Well, I want you all to think about tuning in. Be be with us later on today. Uh, this afternoon, Bonnie Stock and I will be talking uh, about the stark comparison between a deep state bureaucrat like Joe Biden and uh, America First Trump and the difference between the two. And again, we'll be talking a little bit about, about the Memorial Day uh celebrations, I should say, the, the Memorial Day uh, uh, occasions that took place, okay, and the you know, the services that took place, and the, the honoring of our fallen, okay, and how that was celebrated, I should say, I don't want to use the word celebrated, but, you know, honored by, by Trump and by Biden in their own way, but we're going to draw the contrast out with Bonnie, Bonnie and I will do that later, and you're going to see what the difference between Trump and Biden, and you're going to see how they view this. It's really interesting. But we're also going to talk a little bit about a little bit about the Biden gaffes, you know, Biden's uh, racist comments on the Breakfast Club. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And of course, uh, Joe Biden's uh, plan to sink the middle class uh, with his discussion on CNBC's Squawk Box a few days ago when he talked about fossil fuels and how he wants to get rid of them and what his plans are for, for, for this country. So please tune in later today at 4.30 for The Watchman, where Bonnie and I will get to all of that. But I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today. Thanks for being with us today. Again, we truly appreciate you taking the time with us. Uh, most of our audience, well, a lot of our audience tunes in during live time. They just go to YouTube during live. Uh, during the live airing, and they just search 1180 WFYL at YouTube, and they click listen live there. Others 
will go to the website, 1180WFYL.com, and click Listen Live there. But if you're in the listening area in Montgomery County, you can just tune in. Now, others wait for the podcast, which come up, and uh, we grab the podcast, and they grab those, and they listen to them at their leisure. However you listen to us, we truly appreciate it. That's why we're here. Thank you for taking the time for tuning in and for allowing us to unpack this truth with a punch. See you next week on The Point. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.